being tortured so terribly. Find out Nick Cage is kind of a dickhead. There is no fucking god. We watch movies so you don't have to. Cage talk. Welcome to 50 Randy Quades. Quades, Quades, Quades. I am your host with the most Nicholas Cage movies. I am humble pretty and ready to talk about our 125th episode hashtag cage talk edition 51 knowing and with me my co-host as always jt i'm the son of a pastor Money. And just like I said, we watched the movie Knowing. It is the 51st Nicolas Cage classic. And the 51st uh, hashtag Cage Talk edition. And if you guys have any questions or comments, you can go to 50randyquades.com and let us know what the fuck is up. Now, before we get to this trailer, can I share one of the taglines of this movie with you? Uh, is it the one where I put the question, how is this last one a tagline? No, I wasn't going to steal that one from you. I was just going to do one of them. Knowing is everything. Which is a real basic, but I guess to the point, boring-ass tagline. Like, that required no work. Someone was like, what's the easiest tagline for this? Knowing is everything? Cool. Let's do that one. I think the second one's probably the best one. What happens when the numbers run out? Yeah, it fits the most once you know the story of the movie. I think it makes sense. So, yeah, because what's the last one? The most ridiculous one. A superbly crafted thriller. I feel like there's no way that can be a tagline. Like someone no, somehow snuck I, that on IMDb. I don't know IMDb. how that's a tagline. That's just an opinion. I feel like someone snuck that on IMDb and somehow it hasn't been taken down. Because I didn't do the research. Maybe somewhere out there I could find proof that that was one of the taglines. But if it is, you're right. That's not a tagline. That's just an opinion about the movie. What is that? <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense. Here's something that might make more sense. Maybe. It's the trailer for Knowing. You and me together forever. The theory of randomness says it's all simply coincidence. There is no grand meaning, making it possible for you to be sitting here in this riveting lecture. <laughs> 50 years ago, the students of William Dawes Elementary imagined what the future might hold. Today, we unveiled their legacy. Okay, why are you showing me this? It's a list of dates. Every major global disaster for the last 50 years in perfect sequence a piece of paper that's been buried in the ground for five decades. The next number on the chain predicts that tomorrow, 81 people are going to die in some kind of tragedy. Get off the train. Why? What's wrong? Just take the baby and get off the train. 
Scientists put the presumed dead at 81. Prediction came true. It's not coincidence. Don't let him watch the news. Why won't you tell me what's going on? They were here. Who? The Whisperer people. What do you want with my son? The numbers are a warning. They're a warning to everyone. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. We're going to stay on the air for as long as possible. Are we gonna die? I will never let that happen, Caleb. Do you hear me? Never. And we are back in the forest again. Yeah, we definitely end up in a forest for the climax of this motherfucker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, part of the climax. Well, I mean, like, if you guys are new to the show, I just want to say LOL. Lots of love. And, you know, you just got to give it to get it, and then you got it. That's good. And... You know, we just want to say welcome, and uh, just in case you did not know, this is Hashtag Cage Talk Edition, and we're going to talk everything about Nicolas Cage. Or at least we mean to. But we like to give you guys a warning before, so you know, like, it's been spoiler-free relatively outside of the trailer, and the fact that the climax ends up in a forest, but we will give you three more seconds before spoilers start the lion i'm gonna count down trace dos uno so the sun is about to fucking whiplash the earth and kill everything on it and making it uninhabitable and 50 years ago some girl little girl got a message from these aliens that this shit and all these other disasters were going to happen leading up to it here's the message you can come with us if you want 50 years later this shit's going to be popping off and these aliens come back and they take the children and they take some bunnies in a noah's ark situation while the whole fucking world gets tongue fucked by heat when did you suspect the aliens were involved immediately really the first time we saw the weird dude out in the woods, I was like aliens because they were talking about the possibility of life on other planets the first time we meet Nick Cage. So the seed was already planted in my head. And as soon as there's a weird person out in the motherfucking woods just hanging out, I'm like alien. I do. I did key in that it was aliens before the reveal. I just don't think I got there quite as fast as you. I just felt so space oriented. Like I didn't know anything about this movie going into it. I try not to. For I only knew movies, what I gathered from doing the sheet, which really isn't enough to give you aliens. Right. So I get that. Yeah. But it just felt like with everything they were talking about, and especially that conversation about the possibility of life in other planets, the fact that he focused on a profession that had to do with outer space, his best friend worked at an observatory, all like it was just so focused on outer space that having some creepy weirdos hanging out in the woods felt way too convenient for it to not be aliens. Like that wasn't a sex predator. I mean, I guess the alien could be too, but that's not what that was going to turn out to be. 
or just a random home invader or a satanic cult. Like, hell no. Those were fucking... It didn't seem like that's where that was going. Those were angels from outer space, baby. So, obviously, this movie is a sci-fi, but it's also an action drama. And it is rated PG-13 for disaster sequences, disturbing images, and brief, strong language. Bro, those tragedy scenes and the disturbing images intense it was brutal i did not expect that level of brutality like in the the plane crash specific because that's the first major one i was like oh god oh when when like he just turns around and that thing is like on its side i was like oh shit we'll talk about how brutal the deaths are later when we get to it but yeah that one kind of shocked me a little bit this shocked audiences into knowing debuting number one uh march 20th in 2009 uh to a tune of 24.6 million i'm really surprised this movie ended up making as much money as it did honestly once we get to that um obviously not surprising when you see that first weekend number i mean it could have flopped after that but it didn't but man like i don't know what was number two i love you man that's a lot for a comedy i love you man that was the fucking paul rudd and jason siegel yeah i think so and that was what 17.8 million dollars brand new that weekend yeah and rashida jones and number three uh number three duplicity also a new movie 13.9 million i don't remember what that one is i think it was uh what do you call it a romantic comedy Okay. Number four, Race to Witch Mountain in its second week, twelve point seven million, starring Dwayne Johnson. I was gonna ask the rocks in that, right? Yep. And number five, Watchmen in its third week, six point eight million. Okay, I remember that one. Yeah, I remember sleeping through most of it. I didn't sleep through it, but it's not great. The first time I saw it, I did watch it a second time, and the second time I was like, I do not really understand why people like this movie. I think most people didn't like the movie from what i hear or i don't know like i know as a person who liked the book a lot that i'd rather just read that again than watch the movie which is a fucking limp dick version of it it looks pretty like a lot of Zack snyder shit does i shouldn't even say that godforsaken name because somehow even though we get very little attention now that i've dissed Zack snyder they will come for me and the snyder cut is going to be my throat well, the budget for this movie, moving along, was $50 million, or at least that's what is estimated. Yeah, and uh, here in the United States of America, domestically as we call it, $79.9 million. So now you're determined to make saying domestic just as controversial as saying in all foreign lands. It's not that controversial. It's not. I just said just as. And, like you said, in all foreign lands, the hashtag one true God brought in... million. Insane to me that this movie made so much money, like, globally. It's action. Here and and everywhere. So, yeah, $183.6 million bringing in the profit of $133.6 million. Insane money for the cage. I mean... (sighs) I really don't remember or pay too much attention to what's bringing in what, but I feel like for the most part, he's hitting home runs, especially... I would say you're right. Especially on blockbuster material. Some of the smaller shit might not hit. Wasn't the last movie we did a money loser? Yeah, it lost... It it just just barely lost money. But it still lost money. It didn't turn a fucking profit like this son of a bitch did, big time. Yeah, he definitely brought it with knowing. Money-wise. And the, the story... Uh, brought to you by Ryan Douglas Pearson, uh, also part of the screen 
uh, screenplay writers uh, Juliet Snowden and Styles White, and directed by Alex Proyas. Proyas. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. I mean, it's about what I would have said. Proyas Queen. Nope, shouldn't have said that. I would definitely would have said Proyas. Well, he directed the hell out of this. I'll give him that. Oh yeah, it was a good movie. Ah, uh, I mean, uh, I guess I'm tilting my hand there, huh? It was fine. Let's leave it. Something I say very often on Cage Talk as we kind of dance around where I might head rating something is, it was fine. So we'll talk about how that's definitely not a 50 later. So Nicolas Cage, uh, the one true god, uh, he plays John Kessler. I think it's Kessler. 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 Like, it's roughly like, the same, like, right? like Kepin. Okay. Same kind of spelling you see. I was just going based off of uh, what the students were saying because it was definitely different than the first couple of times I said it when I was just like saying the name. Never trust what a child says, except oh, if aliens. I mean, actor, except so. if aliens are speaking to them. And they were college, right? MIT. Don't worry about those idiots. And then his son, right, Chandler Cattenberry, is the actor playing Caleb. Kessler. Caleb Kessler, or whatever we're going to call him, is so much less a ridiculous name than the real name, or I guess maybe just, like, stage name, of Chandler Canterbury. That's the fanciest bullshit I've heard in a long time. It is pretty fancy. I'm having a hard time, and th- I didn't really like this kid anyway, so that makes it even worse once I saw his real name. I was like, nope. Then there's uh, Rose Byrne. Oh, I love Rose Byrne. So do I. She plays Diana. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. And Laura or Lara Robinson plays a dual characters in this movie of young Lucinda and Abby. Did you have is Diana's daughter? Did you have a hard time saying Robinson there? No, it was Lara. I feel like you kind of stumbled over Robinson a bit too. Maybe we should check the tape on that. I think I'm pretty good. I I think I said Robinson correctly. Oh well, no, no, you said it, but you didn't say it like that. It's like the one time I said Andy weird. You just said it differently. Check again. Check the tape. Robinson. Rose Byrne also played a double because when they showed a younger picture of Lucinda as a like 30 something it was she looked exactly the same as rose Byrne. yeah i guess that's true too like but she didn't quote unquote play yeah. the role but they showed that like the family likeness is there across generations like you just kind of oh they all look the same she'll grow like her daughter abby will grow up to look exactly like diana and then age to be what would have been it's like triplets it's it's like triplets over three generations at least that's what that's what they make it look like with the way they play it. And then the main stranger, I guess, is DG Maloney. Okay, we're calling them the strangers. I kept calling them the weirdos in the woods. I would. They I actually wrote out. them down as strangers without even correlating that they were credited as strangers. Ah, uh, well, they're strange. That's that's a fact. And then at some point, I might have even switched to ETs once you picked up on the alien thread. Yeah. yeah. Well, why don't you hit us with that IMDb breakdown so we know what all this nonsense we've been talking oh, about kind of means. Oh, definitely. No problem. No problem. MRT professor John Kessler, he links a mysterious list of numbers from a time capsule to past and future disasters and sets out to prevent the ultimate catastrophe. That might have been your best one yet. So why don't we let the listeners, wherever they're listening from know that what you thought about this movie uh like what do you want to talk about and how the beginning sequences happen well before 
we even really get into anything, we see that Cage is top build. This is a Nicolas Cage movie because they bring up his name, then the name of the movie. They don't give anyone a co-starring role with him on this either in terms of like the credits in the beginning. So I'm like, okay, they're putting this movie entirely on his back. This is a Nicolas Cage blockbuster. I didn't realize it did this well, but Nick Cage just pulling in that fetty. Well, the beginning is just as simple as this, right? 1959, okay? There's this class of elementary school students, and one of them has this idea to put a time capsule on the ground, and they're all going to draw pictures of what they think the future is going to be, and they're going to put it in the ground, and 50, year la- 50 years later, everyone's going to dig it up. Well, the girl who came up with the idea starts, like, automatic writing on this piece of paper. And instead of drawing the future, she's writing down this seemingly inconsequential incomprehensible string of numbers just going and going and going and going to the point that when they pull the paper away from her she's got to keep writing them down so she ends up like scratching it into the wall blooding her fingertips and like it's this whole fucking ordeal right and that's how we start the movie yeah and pretty fucking insane way to start the movie to be honest and okay so just in that little beginning do you think that her because it was her idea lucinda's uh, lucinda's the little girl who writes the letter or writes all the numbers and she also it was her idea to do the time capsule thing right to to write the to do the drawings and stuff so was that all just a ploy to like get that set up for her to be able to put that string of numbers into the time capsule i guarantee the idea for the time capsule came from what they're calling the strangers so that it got who knows whether the influence if it got picked or not but it seems like the kind of idea that would get picked anyway especially in the late 50s time capsules i feel like were all the rage all the rage back then (laughs) that could be totally off base but i feel like that's true i feel like that's true based on what we've seen in cinema but i think it was one of those things that after they came in contact with her and we see how that process works with cage's son in this movie they kind of reach out to him and like speak to him i think they were doing the same thing with lucinda with lucinda back well they did with abby too but with lucinda back then and they were giving her yeah well in that little thing they they were like audible whispers and stuff like that you could hear no but what i'm saying before that moment like going back before then they were whispering to her to do the time capsule idea to turn that in to probably maybe do some other things too to set up to get ready to write those numbers down and put them in your what to answer your question yes i think all of it was a plot to get those numbers in nick cage's hands so that his son and abby could be taken into the promised land so to speak yeah these aliens had that fucking foresight to know what was coming obviously when it was coming and what they could do to help and this is the best they could do they couldn't save everyone but they could put the pieces in place to get certain people saved and they came and whispered in children's ears to do it but anyway after all that is set up we cut to cage and his son and they're talking about the alien life forms like we were bringing up earlier yeah so it's like right after all this weirdness happens, they're like, hey, Pop, do you think aliens could exist? And Cage is like, I mean, yeah, statistically, that sounds about right. And the kid's like, oh, yeah, I know. I just wanted to make sure that you were fucking listening to me, dickhead. <laughs> well, that's kind of his tone. Kind of. Well, as we find out, Nick Cage is kind of a dickhead. Well, yeah. And like his son comes off as really smart. He's got some sort of a hearing problem that I guess he was born with. I don't know if they necessarily covered that. They don't get too far in the depth of what it is. They just reveal that he's got a hearing aid he wears in one ear. And, and it really doesn't play too much into the story. 
it, it signifies when the aliens are near and about to start whispering into his ears. Every time you see it like kind of ring like that, that's when some shit's happening with the aliens. It first happens when he gets handed the letter with the numbers on it. Because he goes to the same school that this was buried at. And they're ha- opening it up. They're handing out the letters to yeah, everyone. Yeah, it's the 50th, he- uh, the 50 year anniversary. So obviously mm-hmm. 2009. Well, before the night before this is happening, he tells his dad that. He tells Cage that they established that mom is dead. They don't establish, like, when it happened, but mom is dead from some sort of fucking disaster, apparently. We establish the cage has told his small child that they can't be sure if heaven is real. Which is understandable, but the kids seemed kind of like, bro, I'm trying to believe in this, but you're making it real difficult. And, like, my mom just died, so, like, just give me, throw me a bone here, dude. Yeah. Like, the kid seems that kind of smart, that kind of aware. Like, I get that you don't believe in it, but just give me a little comfort, dog. And Cage just ain't doing it because he's too busy getting drunk and staring at a present he hasn't opened. Yeah, and then like I wrote down, I was like, "What's the significance of this present?" We get that answer later. Uh, they said it. They set it up so obviously. It's like they're not going to show us that without opening that present, or this movie gets a fucking one. Of uh, we get the significance of when his wife, or not necessarily significance, but we we find out when his wife did pass away later in the movie too. So we establish that Cage is a professor at MIT. He's talking about like randomness versus determinism and basically playing with the idea of what this movie is about. Is everything going to happen for a reason? Is it meant to happen or is it just random bullshit? This movie lays out that everything is on a determined path that you can't really avoid. Yeah, and Nicolas Cage's character definitely is uh, on the opinion that Things just happen. There's no reason for anything. And he attributes that to one, like when his wife died. Like he says later in the movie that he didn't feel anything. Like he didn't he didn't know that she was dying. And he's like, I was literally just like breaking leaves. So not for the first time in this movie, we get introduced to a character that I'm almost for a very long time like, who the fuck is this person exactly? Why are they talking in a cage in such a personal way? Because they don't establish. But this guy in particular, like, slinks into the classroom and, like, hide behind a pillar while he's teaching. So the funny thing is, is for some reason, because I didn't click the picture when I was doing the sheet, for some reason, I thought that guy was Chandler Canterbury, and I thought this was his brother, and his son was just apparently unnamed and i was like later on like after like 20 30 minutes i was like that doesn't seem to make too much sense well <laughs> but yeah this is like his buddy he, he works like at that. mit as well and then he like invites him over for dinner and cage is like uh yeah no uh probably not but maybe who knows i'll think about it i gotta run caleb's got this fucking time capsule ceremony see you later bitch and that's when he runs and that's when they open it they pull it out and his hearing aid goes off it gets all wonky in his ear and when they get home later it's sitting on the couch and cage is specifically like i told you motherfucker don't lose this goddamn thing and the kid's like it's on the fritz dude yeah and he's all like he's like dude it's not working man he's like it's fucking making these weird noises so can i point out something before we move past the time capsule thing and she comes up later in the movie too but there's a woman who was supposedly in that class in 1959 right miss taylor which was 50 years ago yeah how old are you in whatever grade that is maybe 10 10 years old that was the teacher bro No, she wasn't the teacher it had to have been the teacher was it the teacher i yeah. thought they were saying she was a student no that was Miss Taylor, the teacher i didn't know the teachers i didn't guess i didn't know her name at all i just remember I catch her, her name from the picture 
because I wrote it down. I wasn't paying attention to like, anyone's names in this movie. So as we're going along, I probably d- won't know. I'm just calling them their name. Um, or dude. Like MIT dude. Well, anyway. All right. So that lady was old as fuck. I thought she was supposed to be a student. I'm like, that doesn't make any goddamn sense, though. Well, that's what I at first I thought, too. And then I was like, no, there's no way. I was like, the student's only going to be like 60, 65 tops. Well, anyway. So I was wrong about that. This kid's like, there's a sleepover I want to go to this weekend. There's going to be a boat ride, maybe. It's going to be sick as hell. Can I go? And Cage is like, I'll think about it. And the kid's like, well, that means no. This fucking sucks, dude. Yeah, and he's like, dude, you won't let me do anything. He's like, can't stay up late watching tiger documentaries. Can't go to my friend's house and ride boats, do cool shit. So what he does instead is he goes and he lays in his bed and he watches some videos of his mom before he goes to sleep. And Cage kind of sees him doing it. And he goes downstairs and starts drinking hard. Yeah, and, like, so he fucking, like, so he saw earlier in the night, he saw that sheet of paper with all the numbers poking out of uh, his kid's backpack, and he's like, he's like, dude, you're not supposed to take that home, that's not yours, that's school's property. He's like, you better bring that back tomorrow. And he's like, all right, man, all right, man, I'll do it. And so Nick Cage puts him to bed, that's when he's watching the whole movies of his mom, and Nick Cage is like, shit, I'm just gonna close this door, not tell him anything, not tell him to turn it off, he'll turn it off when he's done watching it, it's his mom. And so he goes, and that's when you're saying he gets fucking shit, shit fucking wasted, right? And he's pouring that drink, and he spills it over, and then he puts that on the sheet of the paper when he's trying to clean up a little bit. And he's like, ah, shit, this is that paper. And he grabs it, and he, you know, the ring around it kind of highlights some of the numbers for him. And that's when he's like, what? And he writes it on the board, and it uh, ends up telling, like, the numbers line up for 9-11 and how many people died in it. And then he goes through, like, the whole night fucking going through that sheet. And it just, like, sequential order fucking disaster after disaster after disaster. The date and how many people died. But there are these mystery numbers between each one and he can't figure out what they are. So when he goes the next day to talk to fucking MIT dude and be like, bro, this is what I find out. I know you think I'm crazy. Dude's like, yeah, I kind of do think you're fucking crazy. Uh, What are these uh, random numbers? Like, you're just kind of finding what you're looking for, kind of what it is. He even drops, like, the numerology or something like that. He's like, you know why there's so many of them and they're a dime a fucking dozen? He's like, because people find anything they want in numbers. Well, Cage has a nice few yelling moments here, and he's like, I'm going off campus, bitch, and he rolls out, and he goes and he talks to the old lady, apparently the teacher who's at the cemetery, and he's like, uh, you know, what's up with Lucinda? And he's like, uh, she or she's like, yeah, she passed away. She's all like, oh, she's died years ago. Sorry, Sonny. You want some iced tea and vodka? <laughs> she does confirm that she thinks that letter is is... Like, that is Lucinda's shit. Like, she did write that. So, I guess that would make sense to be the teacher, because how would that other girl have seen that letter? The teacher grabbed it from her, so she would have seen it. And she's like, oh, and that's when she was even saying, like, oh, I rushed her along. So, now Cage is trying to talk to these janitors who dug that thing up. He's trying to, like, just find out, like, is this letter authentic, or did someone plant that shit in there? Well, and like he said to fucking MIT dude, he's all like... He's like, dude, I fucking watched them pull this from the ground and then hand a fucking sealed envelope to my son. Yeah, unless my kid had some sleight of hand or the teacher who was grabbing them and just throwing them out them willy-nilly had some sleight of hand. I saw the envelope. I saw the letter. Like, 
this is real. This woman was in this class. Like she verified it. Like he's like, it's not. He's like, I've. He's like, I went over it three fucking times to disprove it. But while he's trying to get a hold of these janitors, he sees through the window that this car is pulled up, and these two dudes are in there, and his kids next to the car, and they hand him this black stone. Yeah, this little polished rock. And he, they pull off before Cage can get out there or whatever. And he sees the stone. He's like, what the fuck was going on here? So now Cage is doing some more work. He's Googling Lucinda's death. How did she die? And someone just kind of stops by his house, some woman in like a, an RN uniform or something. And I'm like, who the fuck is this woman just showing up at his house? And they clarify pretty quickly that it's his sister. But it's yeah. just just weird how she just shows up no context never mentioned before and all of a sudden she's just popping up in his house being like why are you so busy all the time why can't i get a hold of you like where the fuck did you come from and well i mean they kind of explain that away by saying that he's estranged from his family because not from they're her. super religious not from her at all it seems like him and her stayed tight but yeah he doesn't talk to his dad she's still religious but she doesn't seem to push it on him like i'm assuming his parents probably do and especially after the death of his wife he's all like there is no fucking god none of this means anything he's all like it's just pure coincidence i met her and we fell in love yeah but his sister says before she leaves that you know you're what your dead wife wanted you to mend fences with dad and mom and get the shit back together so you need to do that for her yeah otherwise you're dishonoring her fucking memory and he's like god damn it so he's getting fucking hammered again and he's watching the fucking news and he's flicking through and he's trying to find something that's gonna match a date that he found on the sheet that is that next day right like isn't that what it is he's trying to find something no so he he uh what is it so yeah there's there's supposed to be like a plane there's supposed to be a plane crash yeah he's watching the news and he's there's a day he thinks 81 81 people are gonna die he doesn't know that it's a plane crash he just knows that 81 people are gonna die on this date so he's watching yeah there's supposed to be some sort of like incident on this specific day because there was a couple that were in the future that didn't happen yet and He's like, well, fuck, like, uh, I don't know where this is at or whatever, but I know it's supposed to happen. So he stayed up all night, like, watching the news and shit like that, looking for an incident where 81 people died. Yeah, but he he slept straight through to the end of the school day because he wasn't there to pick up his kid. Like, yeah. this motherfucker is just on a whole other trip entirely. Enough that he's not, I mean, he's kind of a dick to his kid anyway, but now he's just not even showing up to pick him up. So he's leaving late. So he's like rushing to get to to the school to pick up his kid he's not rushing nowhere because he's caught in a fucking big ass traffic jam exactly once he gets on the freeway and that's when he's looking down at his fucking like his map thing on his phone yeah GPS. gps there we go his gps on his phone and it was that his phone or was it like a garmin from back in the day remember it could have been yeah, i guess it could have been a garmin this is 2009 i'm betting it was more an independent gps device you know what you're probably right on that and so he's looking at that and he looks at the numbers and he's like he recognizes them and that's when he pulls up the sheet of paper and he's like he's like oh shit these are fucking coordinates not, no, not only are these coordinates, they're the coordinates that I'm currently fucking located at 
right now. Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit, what do I do? So he gets out and he goes up. And what's actually been going on is there was like a an airline fuel tanker that had turned over. Like the tank of fuel itself hadn't, but it looked like the tractor trailer up front had flipped or some shit like that. So yeah. everything was blocked off. The cops are there. And his cage is trying to find out from the cops what's happening the cop who's talking to him his eyes go wide and he turns around and starts running and the cage is like what the fuck and he turns around and there's a like an airline plane like a fucking what are those like 747s it was something like that it was it was a big passenger commercial airliner and it is on its side like wings sideways oh not just is it on its side wings sideways it's like a couple hundred yards away in the sky yeah (laughs) and it is coming down fast and hard and slams into the road and skids off and just pieces fucking everywhere Slams into the road again, like a hundred yards from where Nick Cage is standing. Yeah, and I wonder if that would have slammed into. No, I guess it didn't slam into his truck because he's able to use his truck later. He was further behind where that came down, so it doesn't look like it. But when that pa- when that plane comes apart, it's exploding everywhere, and Cage is trying to find people to help. But as, ex- as these explosions are happening, people are just getting set on fire. Yeah, and then running and so like I'm watching this going. Oh, this is fucking brutal. This guy collapses in like, there's like just fire all around him and he's set on fire and like, he just collapses in it. Nick Cage is like almost trying to go into it to help the guy. And I'm like, dude, that guy's dead. It's no, it's such a brutal scene. I didn't foresee this. Like, obviously I didn't see it coming. A big old plane crash happening right there in front of me. And for it to be so brutal like that too, with the people dying there, like I just, it kind of caught me off guard as I was watching it. I didn't think it was going to go that far. And so I was thinking, holy shit, that that that's going to presumably kill 81 people. But then we find out from the news later that evening or something like that, that uh, it was actually uh, 81 people died from a combined four planes in the United States all doing the same thing that day. Which is a weird thing. What the fuck? That's a very weird thing. He'll, he just wants to go to sleep, and his kid's like, what the fuck is happening? And Cage is trying to hide it all from him and lie to him and say he broke down on the highway. He's telling his sister, don't let him fucking watch the news. Like, just keep him blind. And then the kid's like, I'm not a kid anymore. And I'm like, yeah, you are a kid. He's basically like, listen, dude, fuck you, though. You got to be honest with me. Don't treat me like I don't know what's going on around me. You got to talk to me because I know you're lying to me right now. Nick Cage is being awkward. He, he uses the word he awkward. He calls it out earlier. But it's not even that. It's a matter of just being dishonest with him. Like, I know what, like, no, he's not an adult. But what he means by I'm not a kid is, like, I understand there are things going on that are bigger than what you're saying to me. And I can tell you're lying to me about it. So just tell me the fucking truth about what's happening. Let's get to the bottom of this goddamn thing. So, like, no, obviously he's not a fucking adult. But they make this kid way, like, super smart. I mean, I don't I don't know. I, oh, he's like a genius. I guess I don't know a lot of kids. So I don't know if they are that smart at, f- like, five or six. But they probably are. Some of them. I doubt it. Some of them probably are. I bet you the five or six-year-olds are smarter than me. Smarter than you. No doubt. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying there's an exceptional amount of them. There's an exceptional amount of five or six-year-olds that are smarter than us. Probably exceptionally few of them, but I guarantee you they exist. I want to think about that. I don't care if a five or six-year-old is smarter than me. That's really good for that five or six-year-old. Okay, so the next thing I have written down is Nick friend or Nick Cage friend comes by, and I don't remember what friend is. It's MIT, dude. Oh. The observatory guy. Okay. He he comes over and Cage is getting fucking hammered again 
and the dude from the woods is outside watching the strangers outside looking again while they're sitting there talking about these numbers and like mit dude seems to be like okay like this seems real now there's too much evidence pointing to the fact that this is real because all these locations line up too and also you just happen to be at this last disaster so that's pretty fucking crazy and meanwhile the kid's upstairs and he wakes up and the weird dude is in that fucking room and he's just whispering into his little kid's ears from a distance, like yeah, it's except real fucking. He's weird. saying he's saying something, and it's creepy. Uh, I'll give it that. They, especially with the score of this movie, because I really like the score. They do a good job of building a really creepy atmosphere that oh, they yeah. often don't live up. That they often don't live up to with the actual movie, unfortunately. But it sets a creepy tone, and this scene got it pretty well. Well, and then, like, the guy points to the window, and the little kid, he, like, starts going to the window because it's, like, glowing, and he looks out, and, like, everything is on fire. Oh, the earth is burning down. We see, once again, we see, like, deer running around just being set on fire and burning to death. Yeah, a moose comes running out. It's, like, a close-up action shot of a moose jumping into the camera burning to death. I'm like, why do I need to see that? It's crazy. I did like I didn't really dig seeing anyone or anything burning to death the way this movie gave it to me. Maybe because I just wasn't expecting it. So even here with the animals, like okay, yeah, I just saw a bunch of people burn to death in an airplane crash, but now we're in a vision and a bunch of fucking harmless woodland creatures are being burned to death by i hadn't quite pieced together yet that the sun was going to be fucking the earth which i should have from the conversation he was having at mit earlier in the movie about the sun yeah i didn't put that together either but uh, like here i should have realized but at the time i'm watching what kind of apocalypse is this and why is that moose being tortured so terribly so it was kind of off-putting but the kid screams cage runs upstairs he sees the weird dude through the window He's like, I'm going to get that motherfucker with my gun. Yeah, and he runs out, and he fucking is just, like, yelling at this guy, but it's about it. That's pretty much it. So the next day, he's driving around with his kid, and they park outside someone's house, and they're just stalking him. And it turns out it's Lucinda's daughter and her daughter. And Cage is like, okay, I'm just going to also, like, tail this woman for a while. Like, just go in where she goes in. And I got my kid with me, too. So, like, this isn't super weird. Let's go to the museum. And I can set up some weird conversation after I pawn you off to go start a weird conversation with the daughter. That neither of you understand is weird because it's natural. But I made it weird because I sent you on a mission. Now I'm going to go talk to mom and real awkwardly, like, try and get her to go have a drink or some shit like that. I'm watching this whole thing going, this is so terribly awkward but it felt it was but really it felt awkward. perfect for this character and that's one thing i'll give that scene credit for is they didn't make whatever cage's character's name is into some smooth some yeah. smooth guy with the ladies or whatever he was weird and off-putting and got weirder well, i mean he comes out immediately and says it he's all like he's like all right this wasn't like an accidental meeting he's like i i just have a couple of questions and then I'll be on my way, but... Well, it's after they start to talk for a while, and I think he kind of gets a vibe that he might actually like this woman, which has got to be rare for him, having just lost his wife a year ago. Yeah. So he's like, okay, shit, I need to be honest right now, so let's get to the heart of the matter. Your mom, she had a power or something, right? Isn't that true? And oh, Hold on, though. Here's the thing, if you think that's weird. Like, 197 people are going to die in New York City tomorrow, and I think, like... 
my son's in danger is part of it too. There's going to be like 33 people who die a couple days after that as well. But then the sheet stops. Like, I think you can, you can help me out with this. What's going on? And Diana's like, I cannot help you with this, you weird motherfucker. And runs out of there. Yeah. She freaks out. And also that list, his wife died in a hotel accident or hotel fire um, that happened on the list. Oh, that's right. They reveal that here. Nicolas Cage presumably should have potentially died at the one where he was at. Why presumably? I mean, could have potentially died. I I think what this I think what this movie says is if he was supposed to die there, he would have died there. Okay. But he needed to he needed to keep going to make sure that his son Exactly, to fulfill the rest of the journey. That's his purpose in this game. He needed to survive that plane crash, but he also needed to see that plane crash to understand how real this list was. It wasn't just a coincidence. Well, I guess he didn't need that, but the aliens thought he did. Or the universe thought he did. Well, that just, all that did was that made them see that the uh, latitude and longitude were, that the location was also on there, not just the date and how many people die. Well, so Cage is back at home now, and he's looking at his gun. Well, this is a new gun, I think. Well, it looks to me like he's never even used a gun before, the way he's holding that thing. Oh, the way he's shaking? It just looks real awkward with it, but he ends up finding out like where the attack's going to be, right? By looking up the location, now that he knows that that's the trick. And he goes to a payphone, and he calls up an FBI office. He's like, you need to block this shit off tomorrow there's gonna be people who die knock it the fuck off and he hangs up the phone right well that's not enough for him because now he's gotta go there and make sure they've blocked it off yeah he drops off his son at grace's house and he's all like don't watch the news don't let the kid watch the news either it's important because shit's gonna get weird so he drives to nyc and starts yelling at cops yeah He's like, why isn't this fucking cordoned off? This should be cordoned off. People are going to die. What the fuck? I feel like they were already on high alert for the guy who called in and told them to yeah. rope the area off because they just had a team of people. I'm sure they have a team of people waiting anyway. But their reaction to him seemed like, yeah, we remember you. You're the weirdest call we got last night. So let's go on a chase. Yeah, and so Nick Cage goes on a fucking chase. He's getting chased by the cops, but he's also on the lookout for who he thinks could be potentially causing this. He doesn't necessarily know that they're just going to happen. But th- and that well no, but that's the thing though. He does know that not all of these are straight up attacks. He's looked at the list. He knows that some of them, even his wife's are just tragedies or accidents yeah. and not planned attacks. But in his mind, this has to be a terrorist attack. And he sees this dude in a fucking, like, kind of baggy coat with something tucked under his arm. And he looks sketchy, so he starts chasing him. So you got this double chase going on. Yeah. Feels like Bangkok Dangerous on the water scene. And so they end up going, like, they're in the subway, right? Good old New York City subway. He's fucking chasing the guy through one of the, the trains, like the subway trains. And fucking... Like, as soon as they went underground, I was like, this is going to be some sort of fucking subway trail accident. As soon as he went underground, I was like, well, there's nowhere else for this to go except for train accidents. So how brutal is is this going to be? Even when they showed up at the intersection when they were above ground, I was kind of thinking that in the back of my head, too. I was like, I was like, they could always have it be 
underground too. Well, it turns out this guy he's chasing just has stolen CDs and DVDs and shit. Yeah. So everyone's like, what the fuck? And then boom, all of a sudden as the train leaves the station, something gets fucked up on the tracks and it gets thrown and another one come in and everything gets all fucked up and they end up like crashing into the platform. And it is just running people over. As I wrote down here on my sheet, people are just getting mowed the fuck down. It's brutal. Yeah. Again, they don't make it gory except for the one where you've got the bird's eye view through the front windshield and it's just boom, 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 boom. That's pretty brutal. But other than that, you just see a train going. They don't show you the blood smears. It just dozens of people. Oh, yeah. Dozens and dozens and dozens of people just Lots of people died. crushed. The cleanup on that. Human soup everywhere. Yeah. Whew. Brutal. Well, he gets home later. And Diana and his daughter are there waiting. Yeah, she's all like, what the fuck? She's like, all right, so here's the thing. That day you were talking about coming up, the 33 day, that's the day my mom always said I was going to die on. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of fucked me up when you like showed this to me because I already knew about it. I've been lying about this shit to myself the whole time. Like She says this later, I think. Like I knew all along my mom had this fucking gift or whatever it is, but I just pretended forever it wasn't real. Well, she even, yeah, she even said, like, she's like, my mom told me all the time that people talk to her. So he's like, listen, we got to go to the, like, some coordinates that are on the sheet, and it's Lucinda's old mobile home that she used to live in, that she died in, and they drive out there. No, I think they were just going out there initially to check it out because that's where she died. That's where she could have committed suicide. Was that what it was? Well, it ends up. It ends up being the coordinates or yeah. something that he finds. Oh, the, that's on the door later. That's right. Never mind. Well, so they go out there. And as they're walking up to the house, Diana's like looking at it. She's like, uh, this isn't a 33. My daughter does this. She like transposes the letters or whatever. I don't remember what the actual term is. She's like, Dyslexic. this is an E. This No, that's not the term for like writing the letter backwards like that. She used it in the movie. We're not going to get hung up on that because neither of us know the term. She's like, this is EE, not 33. And they're like, what the fuck is EE stand for? Is it someone's initials? Yeah, they're like, is that someone's initials that she knows? And then immediately when we're introduced to it, I was all like, is that an extinction event? I had no clue what it stood for and didn't think too hard about it. That's what I immediately thought. I was like, oh, because like everything was going towards disaster and shit. And I was like, all right, if there's an ultimate catastrophe then maybe it's an extinction event yeah i just didn't bother to think too hard about it and they revealed pretty quickly because they go in the house and along the way we see clippings of all these disasters up on the walls like she was clearly up into this we see a picture that she used to stare at forever that was like a big old picture of a ball of something in the sky with a guy sitting in like god there's like this gyroscope looking wheel below it and diana was like she used to just stare at this thing for hours so it's like what is that picture going to come into play with later but as they keep searching around the house they he sees black stones and he sees some under the bed up in the bedroom and then he turns the bed upside down and it has everyone else like carved into it everywhere oh yeah everyone else dozens of times of different sizes and they're like oh shit that's what EE stands for. And meanwhile, the kids wake up in the car and there's a whole gang of these weirdos in the woods surrounding the car, trying to get into the car and get these kids. So fucking Caleb lays on the horn 
The adults come running out. Like, what the fuck just happened? And Abby's like, they were whispering to us, man. And they said, you can come with us if you choose to. So you're sitting here thinking at this point, like, okay, does that mean, like, anyone who chooses to can come with? But as we find out later, they were just talking to Abby specifically. It was just it was just to the people that they're whispering to. Exactly. Which makes... And we find out also that there's, like, at least a dozen of these ships all across the world. Probably more. That comes up in the climax, but... For right now, Cage spots one out in the woods while he's still in the car and he grabs his gun and he chases after him. And he comes across the guy stopped with his back to him. And he's like, what did you do to my son? So the dude turns around, opens his mouth, and this big old flash of light just hits Cage in the face. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, and it like blinds him and he's like, what? Now it makes sense once they reveal like their true form later. Yeah. That he is basically like just a big old fluorescent human shaped thing, or at least the way that we see them later. Who knows how many forms they truly have or what they're true for. Maybe it is just a ball of light that can take different shapes. Either way, it's got a human meat suit over the top of it right now. And he gets blinded by this angel light and the dude disappears. What the fuck is going on here? Well, so the next day, that was that picture that I brought up, though, that Diana said Lucinda stares at. Abby's coloring it, and she colors in that circle in the sky to look like the sun, and she's like, it's the sun, Nick Cage, and he's like, oh, shit. So he rushes to MIT, goes to the observatory, he runs into dude's office, and basically what he's realized is what this thing is predicting with everyone else is something he had happened to write about at some point in the past. And that's this solar flare that could just fuck everything up. And he's realized when she shows him that and that sun in the sky and Lucinda was hung up on it, he's like, there has to be a connection there. Oh, fuck. The sun is coming to kill us. So that's what he realizes. And that's when he runs back to the house. um, And he looks at the present. And he tells Diana to grab the kids and grab the non-perishable shit. Like, we need to get the fuck out of here. Because we're going to go hide underground or some shit. And he calls up his... He's like, he's like, we don't really stand a chance, but we stand a better chance, you know, underground than we do above it. So, I mean, we can try to survive and go underneath the ground in some caves that you know about. So he calls up his dad and he's like, bro, you know about prophecies because you're a pastor and shit. So I got a prophecy for you. Get underground. The sun's going to come and lick our buttholes. And dad's like, nah, man, if it's my time, it's my time. And then the connection gets bad because the heat is starting to fuck with things already. Um, and And the signal drops and the call ends. And Cage goes inside to get his kid. But now the kid is at the desk with a piece of paper writing a whole bunch of numbers. And Cage tries to pull the paper away from him, but the kid keeps writing on the desk. What's the deal with that? Because we never get any follow-up on that. I don't know if it was meant... Like, he was just repeating the dates from back in the day, like some sort of weird loop. Like, since aliens view time in such a weird way, whatever program they had or mind work they had going on on Lucinda back in the day was of the same variety that they used on him, too. Because to them, what was the difference? What these this kid wrote down? Or, here's a theory I'm just thinking of, it might have been predictions of dates for things that might play out 
in the next planet that they're supposed to be headed to next. That's what I was kind of thinking about, too. I was like, what if this is for the next planet? Either way, Dad pulls it away and gets rid of it. Dad stops him from writing on the desk by pulling away the pencil. When he pulls away the pencil, he's trying to write with his fingers, just like Lucinda was doing back in the day. It's like, oh, shit, this is like straight up possession until dad snaps him out of it and he's like oh fuck okay we're good and he's like he's like what the fuck was i doing he's like did i do that and he's like we gotta roll we gotta get the fuck out of here so they get the fuck out of the and he but he heads to the elementary school he's told diana basically we're headed to these underground whatever the fuck but first he goes to elementary school and he fucking like breaks a window to get in and he steals the closet door well because because like he's thinking back from miss taylor when she's like yeah i took it away from her early and she doesn't probably remember that she was clawing at the door with her fingernails and she had bloody fingers but he's all like i just saw my son fucking dig this into his desk maybe she did it into the door where she was hiding in the basement so he grabs that door and he goes back and he's using a heat gun to peel the paint off that thing to try and find these numbers he's scraping that paint off and diana's freaking out she's like we gotta go so she takes the kids puts them in her car with all the shit and rolls out and cage doesn't realize that's what happened but he finds those numbers and he's going to tell her and they're gone he's fuck and he's all like freaking out and he already kind of knows that the the satellites are coming in and out for fucking the phone services and shit. Well, yeah, because Diana's trying to call him to tell him what's up, but she can't get through. There's no signal. And Abby starts talking about these weirdos talking in their fucking heads again or whatever. They pull over and stop at this gas station. And now there's a national broadcast, like an emergency thing, talking about the solar flares. So people start. Yeah, and it's all like get underground. People start kind of freaking out or whatever. And Cage finally gets a hold of them and finds out where they're at. And he's like speeding there to get there. But then some motherfucker, and by some motherfucker, I mean the strangers, show up and steal. Yeah, some more of them E.T. Yeah, they show up and they steal Diana's car with the kids in it and just roll the fuck out. So what does Diana do? She steals someone else's car and goes on the chase. Goes right after him. And what happens to her? She gets fucking smashed into. It was clear what was happening. Like... From the second she made the decision to run that red light, I'm like, oh, she's getting fucked up here. I don't know if she's going to die, but she's definitely getting fucking messed up. And lo and behold, she got messed up. She happens to survive it for a while, right? And she sees this black stone in front of her laying while she's... Yeah, and then she's pronounced dead on the scene at 12 midnight. Well, Cage gets there and he finds that black rock in her hand. So he's like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and so he's got to go to, this is where we find out the numbers he found were Lucinda's mobile home spot. Yeah. So he's like, he was trying to tell her that's where we have to go. And she was like, I can't face that place. You're fucking nuts, dude. But that's where he's going now. So he's got his gun and the whole place is just like covered in these black stones. Yeah. And he sees flashlight mouth. He's fucking chilling there right now. And that's when... It becomes abundantly clear to him because his, I don't know, 10-year-old son is explaining to him that the extraterrestrials are there to save humanity, but only the ones that answer the call. His son doesn't explain that to him. Like Abby, I guess, kind of explains that. No, I think 
what it or is. Or is that Nick Cage? I don't know. I think Cage kind of it. figures it out because the kid is expecting his dad to come with when finally they're like, get on the ship now, we gotta go. And let's mention that the ship was just that big gyroscope that was from that picture yeah. too. But as he's like trying to move up and the kid's like, come with daddy, the angels are like, oh hell no. And Cage picks up like, on nah, it. Nah, we can't allow that. Cage doesn't need the words to understand what's going on. Like he's not in on this trip. It's the kids and it's the bunnies and that's it. And so Cage kind of like tells him like, it's not up to me, dude. We're still together forever though baby he's and that's where he gives him that chain and he's all like you'll understand this at some point in the future i'm like why don't you just open it now you'll understand it's picture me you and your mom so then they reveal themselves as they're going up into the fucking spaceship as these alien looking or these angel looking creatures so i think the idea here is that aliens are the christian angels that people wrote about this is what they looked like thousands of years ago ago too and this is what they look like now which is fine. It kind of felt like they'd been building to that for a while. It felt like once they introduced that biblical picture of Ezekiel into the mix. Yeah, and I actually thought this is where the movie was going to end. I feel like it probably should have just ended here, honestly. This would have been a good ending to me. This movie was too fucking long, bro. And then it went just that little step further, and Nick Cage goes to his parents' house, and uh, Grace, his sister, answers the door, lets him in. They all embrace and hug in like a four-person hug in the middle of the living room when the world just is set on fire. Remember we were talking earlier about how the subway train was mowing down people, right? Yeah. Well, the sun's solar flare was mowing down everything on the surface of the planet. Yep. Except it was like a million times worse than the subway train could have ever managed to be and many more times than a million as well. Yeah, it was uh, pretty fucking rough. We all died. Everything dies. Everyone dies. And then we get, oh, which, you know what? I do like when they get dropped off at the planet. And you, like you'd mentioned earlier, when we see them taking off in the spaceship, which look like these gigantic, like, geodes of, like, crystal prisms or whatever. Yeah. There are at least dozens of them that are coming up from that planet Earth. And then we get to this beautiful... Looks kind of like Earth, but is way more like shiny and like magical Trippy looking, looking almost. Oh, it was beautiful with the big white tree of life, which is reminiscent of this Earth as well in many different mythologies. And all the grain, the fields of grain that they're running through. So yeah, these kids are just running towards that tree through the fields of grain. The colors are beautiful. There's a big old moon in the blue sky, clouds everywhere. Like it's, it's untouched a by humanity Anything. and pollution. Right. It just seems like a perfect place for them to come and fuck up. So they get dropped off, and then and then the movie ends. I'm like, all right, that was a nice shot. That yeah. was cool. I liked I liked that at least. I didn't need the destruction of Earth, but I guess I get why they gave it to me. That's what this movie was. Is there anything else you want to cover about the movie Knowing? No, I don't think so. All right, so Knowing that we are going to head to the uh, rating portion of the podcast where... We rate on a scale of 150 Randy Quaid's, where one is the lowest, and it's basically this movie was horrible. Uh, 50 is the highest, and it was the best movie ever, or at least in uh, that moment in time, uh, you know, spontaneity. And 2 to 49, literally anything in between. Gotta always take into account a little bit of spontaneity. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's right. Uh, IMDB rates this movie 31 out of 50 Randy Quaid's. I'm going to go first this time, I think. All right, all right, all right. I'm going to give this movie 27, Randy Quaid's. I wanted to like it more than I ended up being able to like it. A lot of it has to do with it was longer than it needed to be by 
at least 20 minutes, in my opinion. All right. I could kind of buy that. I wish, and this is, I guess, more on me. I, I had would have had a better handle on how brutal it was going to be during the tragedy scenes. And, and not to say that I haven't chosen to watch much more graphic things in the past, but... I just didn't see it coming in a PG-13 movie that that many scenes were going to be that brutal. And I guess that goes to show how little I pay attention to ratings unless it comes to this show. Because I really just normally wouldn't pay attention, right? But because we talk about it here, I kind of consider it. And it just kind of threw me for a loop. That's not a knock to the movie. That's more on me, I guess. But the performances from almost everyone just didn't hit for me. Um, just Just nothing felt like it was quite what I wanted it to be. I don't know. But it was entertaining enough, I guess, which is why I give it that 27. Like, I had a good enough time watching it for most of the movie. Would I watch it again? And I will give credit for most of the the actual graphics, too. They look pretty good. Especially considering it was 2009. And these things were still being perfected to what we see at today's level. I'm glad they made the choice to make the aliens in their form look faceless. You know what I mean? So they didn't have to put that kind of detail work into it. Because what they did with the angels was pushing it about as far as they could go. But they were smart with what they did. Like, the disaster scenes. Like, that plane crash was... I, like, gasped at that when it hit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was good. When they turned the camera to that plane being right there, like, I literally in my seat was like, oh, fuck. Like, this is gonna be bad. I audibly was like, oh, shit. So moments like that are why I'm going to give it that 27 rating, but I won't watch it again. I won't own it, and I would not recommend it anyone watch it, really, unless you're trying to watch every Nicolas Cage movie. All right, all right. Uh, I went the other way with this. I thought this movie was wildly entertaining. I did not know anything about it. when Neither did I, which was nice. I, I like going about it that way. When I read... I'm just saying, before you go into it, I'm glad that you as the man who owns every Nicolas Cage movie on Earth, I'm glad there are still movies that even you don't know anything about I try as we go along this journey. Especially since I started getting all the movies, I wanted to hold out as much as I can on the ones I hadn't seen just to make it more authentic. And that's the decision I made, too. It's kind of like the same thing we did with Creek Chat, where it's like you didn't watch anything beforehand. You're going in fresh. When I decided to do Cage Talk with you, it was kind of that same idea, because I have seen of the 90,000 Cage movies that actually exist before we started this, I'd seen maybe a dozen of them. So a dozen out of a legit like 95 by now. And you probably actually thought you had seen way more of his catalog. To what I thought. I don't remember. I thought that I'd seen a lot, but I hadn't. I still haven't. No, we're more than halfway there. I've seen enough now. But anyway, it's not about me. It's about what you thought about this wildly entertaining movie. When I read the IMDb breakdown when I was doing the sheet, I was like, ooh, this could be rough. And then I saw the IMDb like score, and I was like, why is IMDb scoring this like so much higher than I would have expected them to score what the breakdowning this movie is about and because like when i initially read that breakdown i was like oh this can't be better than a 25 at all and watching it i was thoroughly entertained and i found myself getting more and more into it as the movie was going on i thought they did a you didn't think it got really slow at points no i thought they kept bringing me in 
with them uh, learning more about the sheet. Like we didn't, they didn't figure it all out at first. And then Nicholas Cage was getting turned down by MIT bud. And like, he's all like, nah, man, it doesn't mean shit. And, and you know, like he had to keep the only thing I didn't necessarily understand was how he was so like, I mean, they showed it, they introduced it, I guess, in the way of, no, man, he's just going to her house to ask her questions and then she's leaving. So he decides in that split second to follow her to wherever she's going to and to kind of make it a, oh, hey, can I just like chance bump into you and then he's like he's like it's real obvious that i have an agenda so i'm just gonna come out and say i have an agenda well i'll give him this if his theory is correct which it is he's working on a limited timeline so he kind of does have to get to the point that was the only part where i was kind of like all right this kind of seems rushed and illogical but at the same time it made sense within the story and as you pointed out earlier his character i actually thoroughly enjoyed this movie I'm going to give this movie a 37 out of 50 Randy Quaid's. Ooh, another big gapper. And the funny thing is, is I initially wrote down a 35. But when I was writing down my initial write down, I was like, man, this is like a 35 to a 40 for me. Can you see what I initially wrote down? Same thing I gave it. And well, I always kind of switch a little bit here and there, depending I almost never write one down to begin with, and I just have a number in my head that'll fluctuate as we go. But I had a hard 27 on this one. It just hit me. When I was done with the movie, I said, that's what it is, and I stuck with it. Well, I initially was thinking, I was like, this could be anywhere from a 35 to a 40. And I ended up coming in at 37. Yeah, like, you know, I I definitely disagree with that. I think people should watch this. I think this is one of those movies that people get tangled in to the Nick cage quote-unquote trash movies where he just kept on putting out movies because he was getting paid fucking money to put out movies i'm i'm not even gonna say that that's what this is when we come across one of those the first time we hit one that i specifically think because we're i think we're starting to hit that era right now where that's going to be coming up as soon as i feel that we get one of those movies i'll call it out I don't think this was one of those. This was meant to be a big old blockbuster that he was the centerpiece of. And it was highly successful. Agreed. That to me, for me, it just didn't hit what I wanted it to be. I liked a lot of the concepts that they put forth. I just didn't love the execution. And frankly, don't think I would have cast Nicolas Cage in this role had I been casting it. No, now nowadays this role goes to Dwayne Johnson. I'm even talking back then. And no, I wouldn't cast Dwayne Johnson in this. Dwayne Johnson, and I mean, no offense, I'm not saying it's impossible, but as an MIT professor... I'm just, I'm not, show me the history of MIT professors, and if anyone, not even like, looks like him, because it'd be hard to find anyone as handsome as that motherfucker. So, the movie would be slightly different if it was casting The Rock. So, like, if we're casting The Rock as Nick Cage, I'm then not. his son is has to be reconfigured to not be his son, so it can somehow be Kevin Hart. We're talking an entirely different kind of movie. You know what I want to see? You know what I want to see? I want to see them remake and somehow they're going to do it with grown-ass men instead of who were supposed to be high schoolers. Encino Man with The Rock as the Brendan Fraser role. <laughs> and Kevin Hart. I don't know what role Kevin Hart plays. Does he play? No, no, no. You get Snoop Dogg to play Pauly Shore. <laughs> and Kevin Hart will play the main guy. Oh, God. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I don't think that's Either a way. good idea. Now Either that I've way, said it out I own loud. this movie. I don't necessarily think people need to own movies if that's not your thing. But like, that's not what the question is. It's my thing, right? So I do think that everybody should see this movie. And if you have a hard, fast opinion about not liking Nick Cage based on some movies you've seen, try to throw that out the window because this movie is fucking great. It does star Nick Cage and centered around him, but it's a fantastic movie. 37 Randy Quaid. But, I mean, at least I think we can both agree that you can catch all of our new episodes. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, of course, you can download everything from 50randyquades.com. And next time on 50 Randy Quades, episode 126, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. With that 1990s live action fucking fresh Turtles in a Half Shell. It feels like we're playing along this season with the all-time classics that lean towards childhood. Minus a few other selections in there too. But for the most, at least adolescence. Childhood to adolescence. No matter what, I think TMNT is something that I might potentially give a 50. Which has again been kind of the idea this season. But we're going to put that to the test. But until next time... We watch movies so you don't have to. Peace out.